will begin to explore these changing bodies of yours. It's going to be lit. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I sometimes charge my phone. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film, and time in all of our lives, Eighth Grade. We hope that all of our listeners are of age for this film because uh, if you're not, you should uh, get out. Well, no, actually, there's a whole thing about how we they shouldn't get out. Have yeah. you heard about this thing? Yeah, so this film is rated R, uh, which, uh, as I was looking at the MPA guidance this uh, this week, was under 17, requires accompaniment, uh, accompanying parent or adult guardian. Sure, sure. Uh, contains some adult material. Parents are urged to learn more about the film before taking their young children with them. It doesn't mean a young child can't see this film. It just means that uh, you should go with the parent. And I don't necessarily disagree. I think it's so funny because I don't disagree really either, but I think it's hilarious that this movie has a problem with like, because this is a movie that even though it deals with difficult subject matter and some stuff that might not be appropriate, uh, it's stuff that actual eighth graders most likely deal with, yet you can go see any violent movie, uh, Deadpool, anything like that, whatever you want, no one's really batting an eye. Yeah, So like, this is, and this has the same rating as Deadpool. I, I think which the, is insane. The hypocrisy is, of course, is that PG-13 13 movies uh, um, are kind of in the sweet spot for the studios, so a lot of our violent summer blockbuster fare falls into that category, whereas this film, which I think should be seen by a wide audience, falls into the R category. Now, if I'm uh, recalling correctly, there's a couple of things that are interesting about the American um, MPAA, which sure. is that it is not a legally binding um, rating. For example, in New Zealand or Australia, okay. the, uh, the way movies get rated is, is that they're legally binding. You ha you you will get you can be prosecuted for not adhering to the senses, um, to the senses. Who can get prosecuted? The distributor, the theater chain, whoever lets you. You know, you if you let in a child to an R eighteen movie in New Zealand, you can be prosecuted. Whoa! Where, whereas in America, it's an entirely voluntary system. So there's nothing stopping anyone, such as Bo Burnham in A twenty four, doing what they did last Wednesday, which is running a free screening for eighth graders uh, that is entirely unrestricted. Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, so so the MPAA is is a voluntary system. However, the MPAA is directly tied to most studios and studios will pay for um, uh, pay for ratings well that's kind of it, it's dubious uh, about how that actually works again the film that uh, I recommend everyone seeing if you if you're interested in this topic is this film is not yet rated by Kirby Dick you're telling me that something in Hollywood is a little bit shady my god you gotta see, have you seen that film uh, it, I don't think I have there they uh, Kirby Dick follows a couple of the ratings people around he hires private detectives to like oh see, my god because you don't you never know who these people are sure um, and you never know what their beliefs are or how what they what they want and you know uh, the interesting thing is uh, uh, you get um, interesting in in that film. They talk particularly to uh, Kimberly Pierce, who directed Boys Don't Cry, okay. about how her film was rated uh, harder than like violent decapitations because of a um, and not because of the rape scene in Boys Don't Cry, but because of the uh, lesbian sex scene, which featured an orgasm. That was the thing that made them get an R. Oh, not the hard. Not the hard rape. Heaven forbid yeah. someone enjoys sex on screen. And uh, oh, some oh, well, mainly heaven forbid that a woman enjoys sex on oh, screen. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correction. Correction noted. 
Uh, you should also look Ugh. up uh, South Park's litter for bigger, longer, uncut, which uh, I think um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone sign off with. This is the most fun litter I've ever had to write in my life, where they talk about the things that they were going to cut out of that film. I think this is an interesting conversation. I love yeah. this topic. Um, hey, where can people send us other interesting conversations <laughs> and topics that they'd like to talk about? They can do so at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter, as people have been doing for the last couple of, oh, the last week since we launched our Inception and uh, Speed Race. I, yes. <laughs> I almost forgot what the other film That's was. That's great. You were so incepted. That's at Only Movie Pod. Uh, is it at Only Movie Pod? Yeah. What did I say? You didn't say it at all. Oh, didn't I? Yeah. Oh, well, well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, you could basically just shout out to the ether, and we might hear you. We might hear you. Our powers reach wide. <laughs> um, but I wanted to shout out a couple of tweets that we got this week. Uh, Hallie, who said, loved our discussion of Speed Racer. I loved the movie when it came out, and I'm also a fan of the cartoon series. Nice. I recognize that it has its own particular problems, but it's fun with good action. Also, Richie and Sarandon with a, uh, will give you a hug or a punch in the face as needed. Yeah, that's fair. I think there's a lot of love for Speed Racer. I, I, I wasn't a fan. I think it. I think it has. I think we talked about it, mm -hmm. but I think, uh, I think seeing it now is better than seeing it then. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, you know what I did is I watched some of the original Speed Racer cartoons. Right. Um, just sort of. Just to get my headspace in, like the translation. You do love your side research. Yeah, and the one thing is, I I forgot about Speed Racer is like they have these long running stories where like it wasn't they would never just do one off episodes. It would be like a three episode arc or a four episode. Yeah, arc. the races go over episodes. Yeah, sometimes. it was kind of a big deal. So yeah. I was got, so I guess if you're invested in that, seeing this big screen adaptation of it, you know, is fun. Yeah, I guess. Don't yeah, I guess it's fun. You want to hit the next Thank one? Thank you, Haley. Uh, yes, Jonathan Blade, good old Johnny B, uh, tweeted, I don't think that this idea is mine, he says, but I consider Inception to be Cobb's exercise in self-inception. He has created a labyrinth deep enough that he is not able to see that he is guiding himself in his own wish fulfillment. My favorite Nolan film, Speed Racer, is also a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, in reference to Inception and Speed Racer review, uh, I kind of went down many layers deep with Jonathan Blade on this one uh, where we talked about uh, the possible uh, possible theories for what Inception was. And, you know, eventually we came to this uh, impasse, I would say, where, sure, sure, sure. where uh, I think uh, Jonathan, he's positing a theory yep. that the entire film is a dream and that nothing is real in the film. And I was like, and I, I, I don't buy that. But, but, I, I, but this is the thing about Inception. It's, it's open to interpretation at many different levels. And as long as you can kind of pull at many different strands to prove your argument, I don't, I don't disprove. You don't, don't dislike that people like having theories. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Jonathan. We got one more, right? Yeah. Do you want to read this? Let's see. You read it. Okay. From Jamesa, who says it's been a, wh a while since she's listened, but oh, am I glad I am with Matt regarding the Wachowskis, assassin was is my jam and of course the matrix beow, 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 uh, beow. we were uh, i think we we blew minds not with uh, describing the multiple layers of the of speed racer but but in the fact that the wachowskis wrote assassins the richard donner vehicle for antonio banderas and oh, sylvester stallone it's so good yeah it's so good i've been wanting to watch it since we talked about it last week and i just have not had the time you know what that film is most famous for now is the meme of uh, antonio banderas yeah, yeah, yeah. like reaching yeah. back and biting, yeah, his, and biting his, hand. his head i know uh, i know yeah. listen some of the best some of the <laughs> <laughs> best memes come from the best stuff. Uh, this episode is great as the discussion on Speed Racer and Inception, uh, where I fell, I first fell in love with Tom Hardy. Totally overlooked him in Rock and Roller. Live out loud. Uh, I, of course, sent back a photo of Tom Hardy in the Venom suit saying, we love Tom Hardy too. Yeah. Uh, 
how meta of you. <laughs> Who doesn't love Tom Who Hardy? Who doesn't love Tom Hardy? Uh, I don't know. Let's not talk about Venom. It just it just bums me out. <laughs> Thank you, Jamesa. We appreciate all Thank your you. tweets, all your emails. Uh, I've been uh, adding this as my email sign-off phrase for us, but you can leave us a review uh, on iTunes. That would be muchly appreciated. Muchly? Muchly appreciated. Well. Uh, if that's the case. Yeah, because uh, it helps us expand our reach and it uh, boosts our ratings on iTunes, which helps people see us a little bit more. So if you can, uh, if you enjoyed uh, this little thing we do, talking into the ether, please leave us a review. Let us iTunes. know like these fine people did, and then we'll read it back, and then we'll have discussions, and then we'll become best friends, and then maybe one day... We'll sleep together? No, no, no. no. Yeah. Shahir, you take it one step too far. I okay. was going to say we get lunch, but that... that And then we sleep together? No, yeah. no, no. I'm I'm married, so I don't know. And I'm in a relationship, <laughs> and we don't solicit ourselves over the internet. Oh. We've had this discussion. Is this one of those things that's going to be taken out of context in years to come? Is this one of those things <laughs> that you're going, is going to be on the, the final? Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. it is. All right. Of your test in eighth grade. You know what else is on the finals? Oh, is it about the Oscars? It is. What? Oh. What happened at the Oscars this week? We got—I know we're gonna do it. We're gonna jump into this review of eighth grade, but uh, let's just do a little quick recap of where we're at in the world today. Which is uh, the Academy has made an announcement. Matt, do you do you, do you do you want me to take it away? You take it away. It's just so interesting that not you know it, being stupid just isn't for the government anymore. It's for everybody. So uh, the Academy made th uh, three announcements today. Uh, one, it, well, not today, but this week. Uh, the first being that they're going to push the Oscars uh, uh, a little bit earlier in the in the year. Great, which, I like that. Uh, which I'm guessing for the first year that they do that will mean there will be less time. Well, you'll have to release your Oscar film a little bit earlier than you probably thought you would have. Yeah, no more rules skating. Uh, and the second was that they will limit the Oscars to a to a solid three hours. This is of course in the fact that the last year's broadcast was the longest they've ever had, also one of the lowest rated. Yep. Um, this does mean that some of the technical awards will now be read out during the breaks. Uh. And uh, will be re-edited into the final uh, broadcast, uh, which is like very, a later broadcast. Yeah, uh, no, no, into the broadcast that night because I don't think does the Oscars play live or does I, it play delay? So. Okay, so maybe it'll come. I, I'm not exactly sure yeah. how they're gonna do that, um, which sucks because the people that are most deserving of Oscars tend to be the people in those technical awards. They're the ones that work the longest with the least amount of recognition. Uh, so it's a real shame that that happens. You're not uh, wrong, but at the same time, they're not bringing in all those eyeballs for advertising dollars. Exactly. And then this might be the biggest uh, eyeball slicing moment of the, this particular press release, which is that the announcement of a new category of Oscar called the Best Popular Film. Uh, and how that is defined is TBA. But Matt, uh, obviously the conversation kind of immediately circles around to uh, Black Panther. Um, sure. Uh, but there are a couple of other things to consider in this. Like, what does popular film mean? Well, this is this is <laughs> this is so dumb. So they're obviously this is all stemming from race, ratings chasing. That's right. what this is. Yeah. Uh, because it's just not bringing in the eyeballs that it used to. And the fact of the matter is, rather than lower themselves to include popular films that might be based off graphic novels. Uh, I don't think that's the case. Well, no, well, I, I'm, I'm exaggerating yeah, for this yeah. point, but the, the rather than include those in the best picture categories, mm -hmm. uh, because I'm sorry, best popular picture and best picture, it's the same fucking thing. Yeah. I mean, Get Out uh, gross $255 million. Is that not a popular film? Yeah, like, exactly. You can Shape take, of Water made a bucket load of money. You can take, you can take, the, you can take the analytics 
uh, in mm-hmm. any which way, and it still makes zero sense. I think, look, they tried doing this when they made, like, when Dark Knight came out when they knew they wasn't going to give it an award, but they made 10 movies in Best Picture. Yeah. So, like, they could at least say the Dark Knight's name to get a little bit of that shine. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of weird and a little bit sleazy then. Now it's just like, <laughs> it's, yeah. you, you're, okay. Your one thing you have going for you, Oscars, is that you're elitist. Okay? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it is. <laughs> lean it, into it. Lean into <laughs> it. Don't, t- or get rid of it. Yeah, because they you, know, you have things like the MTV Movie Awards. There are things like the Indie Spirit Awards. There are yep. all sorts of awards. And the Oscars are meaningless. Yeah. Except from except they boost your revenue. Uh, okay, no, I take that back. They're not meaningless. The The actual merit of the awards can be meaningless, but they do mean something for f- smaller films that can get a big boost from them. They can mean, yes, exactly. But it's all still based around finances. So you can, and, and, and it's not just an award given out to make mm-hmm. the filmmaker or the whoever feel good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a machine. And that's, again, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to shit on the machine. Yeah. I just think that, Either lean into your elitism or drop the whole thing. Don't do this half measure nonsense. Like what? What? What should you do if you want more people to watch your watch your program? Nominate legitimately more films that more people have seen. And I'm not talking about any. I'm not saying because say uh, what movies like Justice League made a shit ton of money that Justice League should be in the running. But I do think that films like Black Panther and a couple other like more popular. Uh, I would call popcorn films do deserve to be in the best picture category as opposed to best popular picture, which is basically setting up a kid's table at this elitist adult party. Yeah. And it's weird. It's not, it's not, um, it's not a good look. I don't, I think, and, and what makes, and this is the last thing I'll sort of say about it from my side. And the fact that they released this with no hint like no one at the Oscars media people, whatever, seemed to think that anyone would think this is a problem, <laughs> and that shows even more than making the category how out of touch yeah. the whole endeavor is. So if if the goal is to get more eyeballs, you need to be more in touch, and if you want to be more in touch, you don't do what you just did. Yeah, I don't, I don't look. Uh, I'm not on. I'm not on the uh, Black Panther must be nominated uh, train. Um, if that's what this is about. Um, but I don't see why a film like Black Panther couldn't be nominated. Um, you know, I, I, there are films like Avatar have been nominated, which is a, you know, a, a billion dollar movie. So yeah. I don't see why it, makes it, no could, sense. Uh, it couldn't be. And I, and for me, the other thing that the Oscars, uh, are useful for is that they hold up kind of, uh, a sort of quality bar, um, that people feel like should be uh-huh. attainable. And, and when you kind of, yeah, like, as you say, sit up a, a lower bar for certain films, you're basically saying, ah, you guys aren't, aren't as good, but we'll give you an award. Um, and I'm, and I'm not in favor of that. And it's disingenuous because the only reason they're doing it yeah, is, is to, to get more people to watch it. Yeah, exactly. I, I, um, so, uh, interesting things to have happened. I'll see, I guess I'll see when they first play. I, you know, I'm curious if it'll actually ever happen. It's yeah. got such a bad backlash on Twitter and all yeah. this stuff. And, uh, in, in the reactionary culture that we currently live in, uh, I, if they move forward with it, that'll be very interesting. Uh, as you might've recalled from our Oscar, uh, episode, I don't actually watch the Oscars as well. Not because I, I just, I, I, I can't sit through it. You know, I find it very, well, low. now they're going to only going to be three hours to hear, <laughs> so you can actually do it. Yeah. I like to just watch the highlights or just, you know, the things that I think are interesting, uh, Twitter highlights or what have you. So uh, I guess I'll see when it comes out. I mean, you know. Are you saying you're gonna? It's gonna be a, a rental. 
it'll be a rental. Yeah, it'll be a rental for me. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely gonna drop uh, four dollars on iTunes for that thing. Nice. Uh, but if you want to drop a review on iTunes for our thing, oh wow, you see how I did that? You double it. You yeah. double it down. You're asking for people to make reviews again. Yeah. I'm okay. Gonna, I'm double. Uh, yeah, double down. And then I'm also, you know, like hit us up with your thoughts about the Oscars <sighs> and your tweets about the Oscars and about uh, Inception and Speed Racer or any of the other what is it 175 episodes we've yep. done uh, at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at only movie pod. It was thirsty, but you do it so well. I'm right. not gonna. I'm not gonna fault you for it. I'm that guy at the club, right? I, what? What? What club? The Roxbury. No, uh, the Rock, yes, a hundred percent at the Roxbury. Yeah, guy. you are. Yeah, baby, but, don't hurt me. Listen, uh, you know, speaking of people that can't get into clubs, oh, we're gonna talk oh. about. We're gonna talk about some eighth graders. We're gonna talk about one in particular. We're gonna talk about Bo Burnham's eighth grade. So wait, um, because I'm not from America. Eighth grade is how old? Uh, what eleven or twelve? Is it? I think. But you're on the precipice of going to high school, right? Yeah. Oh, may- so maybe it's not. Maybe it's a little older. Maybe it's like 13, 14. I so don't quite remember. My So childhood for me, Shahir, <laughs> is a, a bit of a blur. I don't, ha- I don't do well with ages beyond. Like, I feel like once I graduated high school, I knew I was 18. And then I've been able to keep track ever <laughs> sort of since. They talk about... There's this like idea of calcification of the brain, of calcification of memories, where you basically um, there's a certain point at which you remember being peak you <laughs> or or the sure. beginning of you. Yeah, and for you might be 18. I um, in New Zealand, I think we have uh, we have forms one through seven, although that's even changed now. It's standard something. Would you say you're not even in your final form? I'm not in my final form. <laughs> seven is my final form, and I didn't <laughs> I, I didn't make it. Um, so I think this would eighth grade feels like it's the equivalent of form two. Which is form three is kind of like high school. Wait, what's form one? Form one is uh, how long is form one? It's a year. So all of these are a year. Well, grades are a year. Yeah. So, but like, there's twelve grades. Yeah, and this is also anyone from New Zealand can write in as well because this is horribly outdated. It has not been form one, form two since since probably oh, since okay. I live. Okay, they've okay. changed it now to another uh, numerical system. Um, but it feels like so. I feel like eighth grade. In my term of reference, is the year before you go to high school. Yes. Right? The first year. Yeah, because 9th through 12th. Which I feel is like 12, 13. That kind of age. No, I think it's I think it's closer to thirteen, fourteen. Because if you if you go into if you become a a, a freshman at fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen is four years. You grad you graduate around eighteen or nineteen, so it's probably fourteen or fifteen. Okay, glad we got that sorted out because now we can talk about the movie. Yay! <laughs> it's uh this is Bo Burnham's uh, yeah. directorial debut, if I am yeah. not mistaken. Well, he has directed comedy span- uh, stand ups before. It's theatrical directorial. He's directed an entire Netflix comedy special for Chris Rock. So, yes, but whoa. theatrical. Yeah, it's theatrical. narrative theatrical directorial. Debut. Okay, so we got the age right. We got the. <laughs> We're being the very case. thorough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, have you been a fan of, of Bo Burnham's comedy, or how I do you have, feel about him? Uh, I have seen um, his stand-up special uh, "Make Happy," which mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed, and then I've seen YouTube videos of him. Uh, not like super deep into. Uh, him. I, I do like follow a lot of comedians, and he's just one that was kind of like. He's around I, the I, orbit. I think there's a thing with me where I uh, people who are like very musically gifted, kind of like somewhat get pushed into a different category of comedian for me. Gotcha. Um, even though, I, you know, in preparation for this episode, I went and watched a bunch of his, um, you know, YouTube videos, mm-hmm. and I was like, this dude is legitimately a great, gifted, talented yeah. stand-up comedian. And and it just so happens that music is this other element that he brings to that equation. So, uh, yeah, I would say I 
am becoming more and more enamored by the man. Nice. Uh, despite have not having sort of a long history. How about I, yourself? I've I've watched uh, every every comedy thing of his that I've been able to find. Yeah. Uh, I've listened to his. I've listened to like on on Spotify, and I think uh, someone even before then, bef- you know, had had MP3s or even a CD of some of his stuff because it was just. Uh, it, I don't know. It's something that like you can listen to in a car. Yeah. And like a podcast. Yeah, like a podcast. <laughs> uh, but with music. And he he speaks to an uh, an interesting demographic sort of I think of of the comedy and I won't even say audience but of the comedy space and you know actually coming up in a couple of weeks we're going to be doing uh, Nanette our, yeah our first comedy special which I think is going to be an interesting conversation yep. uh, and I think that we might touch on this a little bit more there but. Uh, he touches on stuff that other comedians don't touch on and don't, and w- even when they sort of wade into that water, a lot of the times he d- they don't touch on it sort of as, as striking and as, and as uh, effectively as I feel like Bo Burnham does. And I, when I found out he was directing a film about the experience of an eighth grader in 2018, I was like, yes, this is a wheelhouse he should explore. And he's damn. He's gonna be damn good at it. So tell me, uh, what Bo, what what are the topics that Bo Burnham touches on that uh, that make him unique? I think. Uh, well, it's 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 the. Uh, I think it's topics that the topics are all similar things that other comedians do. Uh, depression, how you sort of can feel uh, alone or isolated. Uh, the, how you're not like other people. That mm-hmm. sort of like that's all universal. You know, comedy comes from the sadness of people a lot right. of the times. Um, but. The way he does it, and I think it actually has a lot to do with the musical side of it, is he's going to tell you and sort of teach you sort of things he's been through that you can relate to, not only because there's situations that you can you, you probably can relate to in your own life, but along with sort of turning the frown upside down to a point and making a joke out of out of the bad stuff he's feeling, he's doing so musically. Mm-hmm. And that resonates, at least with me, in a more... Um, lasting i will say tone okay uh so so when he's singing about uh, and oh and also a lot of times in his songs he will start one place that seems logical and then fly off the handle in sort of like lost uh almost like uh extreme quick uh quick paced thought yeah like I don't know how I'm feeling. Oh no! Now I'm gonna do this, and then this other thing, and now I got this other stuff, and I'm really angry. And like he gets like it's the it's the thought process, stream of consciousness kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's a stream of consciousness that I when I fly off the handle. Yeah, I don't sing it. Oh God, I wish I would. <laughs> um, but it's the same thing. It and so the 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 way his thought process and his stream of consciousness is very similar to how my internal stream of consciousness is when dealing with difficult situations or emotions so that's why i've sort of been tied to him yeah um well tell us tell us what eighth grade is about then if we're going to go from his so obviously a successful comedian a successful youtuber uh making the jump into narrative feature film not always Uh, a, a great idea yeah not always a great idea but uh tell us what eighth grade is about An introverted teenage girl tries to survive the last week of her disastrous eighth grade year before leaving to start high school. That's from the IMDb Internet Movie Database, Shahir. Okay. So you know it's good. I know it's accurate and uh, probably not written by a 12-year-old. No. Um, It is an accurate description. (laughs) Uh, Does it sell it well? No. Is it his job to do it? No. 
But here's the thing. So uh, this falls into the category of teenage coming of age films. Yes. You know, so which which I happen to have kind of a uh, a fairly strong interest in. You know, uh, Rushmore. Uh, well, even before Rushmore, which I think is one of my formative cinema films, um, I think you know films like uh, The Breakfast Club, Stand by Me, um, were really uh, really formative in my growth and experience of how films can relate to me on a personal level. So yes. I think those are films that if you watch at the right time in your life, like if you watch when you're 12 years old they will make a long lasting impression um and this is and this falls into that category there's a there's been a little bit of a a glut of these kinds of films recently um particularly uh the two films of note are age of 17 and ladybird yep um but uh, there's a couple others i would love to point out but i think the thing that makes age of 17 and ladybird relevant is that this is a female orientated film yep um and I was thinking a lot about the way in which, the, if there are normative genre expectations for the teenage coming of age film, particularly as a comedy, one of the things that I expect from those kinds of films is the film to eventually uh, engage with and indulge in the humiliation of its main character because those films are about like an awkward person and the audience is invited to kind of enjoy how awkward they can be or how um you know like how their times. awkwardness yeah. Yeah, kind yeah. of like plays into their um into comedy the thing that i thought was really striking about eighth grade is eighth grade never does that i think eighth grade really never allows itself to exploit her or humiliate elsie uh kayla sorry i'm yep. talking about the main actors yep. um and that was this, this really striking thing which is that at every every moment during this film i was expect there were certain things i was expecting to happen uh, in terms of like, you know, like her interaction with people around her was I was expecting it to be basically a moment for this to escalate into like some sort of profound humilia humiliation, which she eventually learns about and moves on from. And there is a couple of moments that get very close to that. Sure. But instead, what this film does and what I think makes this a striking debut that makes me in a way want to discount the fact that he's a YouTube star, discount the fact that he's a popular comedian and just say, this is a really, really great first film by a, by a very strong filmmaker mm -hmm. is that, is that he is willing to forego the kind of yuck yucks that you would expect from this kind of comedy and instead stay locked in even physically with the camera on uh, Kayla's face during moments of trauma and make sure that we we're not indulging in her humiliation but we're instead zeroing in on how this makes her feel uh yeah and 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 I think that is a that is both um entirely refreshing really affecting um and and just an example of really strong striking filmmaking you know a, a filmmaker with a voice with something to say um so the, the 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 that's my sort of analytical approach to it. The end result was is that in the middle of this film, I fell in love with Kayla. I just I just yeah. you know wholeheartedly fell in love with her, and I was I was just uh, and fell in love with her in the in that in that sort of way that I was protective of her, mm -hmm. and I was like and and I started dreading that idea that this was there was going to be some sort of humiliation for this character, which is what, you know, these kinds of films do. Right. And there's a moment, uh, without giving away spoilers, like towards the back end of this film, where uh, something, you know, happens to her. Yep. And my response to it was very primal, mm -hmm. and it was very uh, immediate, and I was not, I my, my analytical brain shut off, and all I was thinking about was, 
how this character should respond and how I wanted to step onto the screen and pull her away from the situation. Sure. Um, and so that is a, a testament to the sort of power of the filmmaking at display here. It's, uh, you know, um, there is something I want to talk about a little bit later on when we get into spoilers about what this film is specifically dealing with, which I think is really fascinating. Okay. But I think it's just an incredible demonstration of strong, thoughtful filmmaking that made me fall in love with the character in a film that doesn't actually want to do a lot of big turns or anything like that. This is just a very nice, small, intimate film that works really well. Uh, yes, I, I agree with everything you said, with the exception of calling it a comedy. Mm-hmm. I don't think this film's a comedy. Okay. Uh, I think there's moments of levity. Yeah. Um, but I didn't have any laugh out loud moments. And, and Bo Burnham is known for comedy, of course. Right. I think this is him striking more of a chord along the lines of the stuff that actually, like, the comedy, how do I, hmm. the comedy is uh, the meal, I guess, maybe in his in his actual stand-up. Yeah. But what keeps me coming back is is sort of like the the freshness of the ingredients, and then that by I mean like the meaning behind what he's doing. Right. This is just all fresh ingredients. Like this, I don't think even in the even in the the trailer, I don't think I laughed. It's just it was a moment of like, oh my god, like I can relate to a lot of what's happening with this character. And as we move forward with sort of what happens in the film, I'll, I, I have questions about the way you grew up, Sheer, but I also have I, I have sort of anecdotes a little bit about about me, and it, it's 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 it was more connecting to me than Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. Now, Lady Bird is a wonderful film. We've discussed it uh, ad nauseum, uh, but it is still in that sort of genre that you've described of sort of stylistic going through the motions of what these films, uh, what these coming-of-age tales do. Mm-hmm. Now, does it do it at the highest level and have a lot of meaning behind wh- all of those actions? A hundred percent. Does it still hit those sort of actions? Yeah. This movie almost feels like a documentary. Mm-hmm. And that's that's crazy. Uh, and it's crazy because, you know, I... We all have the ideas of what grade school kids are like or going through or doing in this day and age, but we don't often get to see it. Yeah. And in this, I don't think there's much exaggerated. I think it's a very, I mean, it, at least it doesn't feel that way. Yeah. Where, where there are moments, say, in Lady Bird that do feel like reality is a little bit exaggerated when she jumps out of the car and like, yeah. you know, all that stuff. But this is like pure, 100% feels like real life. Yeah. And with that, I think while they're, you know, just going back to my even my stuff from the beginning, um, that I, I feel like overall it is a drama, and with a with moments of levity. If I had to put it to a category, this is a drama about a girl's last week of eighth grade, uh, and and I really enjoyed how it, you know. Yeah, some bad stuff happens to her, no question. But there's a lot of it that, like, it also didn't paint a bleak picture of growing up. It mm-hmm. painted a picture of growing up that is accurate and difficult, but not entirely like just getting the shit emotionally kicked out of you yeah like good stuff happens too and granted depending on decisions that good stuff can lead to bad stuff etc etc so on and so forth but it is uh a testament to the feeling of leaving one pond being a being a, a fish in one size pond and then getting thrown into being a fish in a much much larger pond yeah um and yeah i mean i i i dug the hell out of it i think so shahir what you in this, because it's not the same in New Zealand. Yeah. In this moment of of growing up, of adolescence, when you were transitioning to what would be essentially high school here. Yeah. 
What? How would you describe yourself? I, uh, so I, I think my experience is entirely uh, irrelevant to this film, for one. Okay, just why because, is that? Just because my the New Zealand school system is set up entirely different, um, or at least the, the school that I went to as well, which is that uh, what would be the equivalent of eighth grade is actually part of the same school as high school. Okay. So, so we're kind of in the same ballpark. I do remember at a slightly younger age feeling anxious about the transition from uh, we call it primary school to yep. secondary school, um, which was a little bit younger than this. Um, I also think it's irrelevant because I think what's interesting about this film is the um, is the way technology uh, plays a main role. In well, this, the whole is, thing with which is which is entirely different to mine. Um, I my my personal experience, I you know like. I have. Uh, hmm. Well, the uh, reason. Let me. No, 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 quick no, context. Uh, yeah. Uh, the reason I'm asking isn't like, oh, because like your eighth grade and your eighth grade experience moving to high school, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's more about where were you mentally and from a social standpoint? Like, were you very popular? Did you have a lot of friends? Were you a loner? Like, did, like wh- where, where yeah. did you fall in that spectrum in this course of your life? For one thing, in in my situation, scale is different because I went to a very small school. I went sure. to a private boys' school, so we didn't have uh, a females around. <laughs> sure, um, we did sort of we had interactions with other, with other schools, but uh, and also it was very small. So my class size, entire class size, size made up of fifty people at the most, and then by the time we like finished, it was like twenty five people. Okay, so the situation, the scale of my situation is entirely different. But the emotional feeling of it could still feel the same depending on yeah. Yeah, and you know, here's what I think would be more relevant uh, is to think about. Um, I guess in my situation, I I would say I wouldn't say I was like the most popular kid yep. or anything like that, but I I've always been fairly self confident, um, fairly strong willed. You know, like I didn't have too many. Uh, issues with other people, or you know, interacting with other with other people, my classmate. I didn't really feel um, particularly uh, withdrawn or anything. Okay. I, I don't. I don't think I had any of those kinds of issues. And again, the scale means that even if I did, they're not on a scale like they are for for Kayla. Right. 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 Uh, um, but you had like you had a couple friends, and you you know, I had friends. I, I. I. But but I think what is relevant is I did know. A person whom I didn't interact with, who was the weird kid. Sure. Like, and I, and this film made me think about that person. Huh. Uh, and think about their experience, which from was from a different perspective than just being quote the weird kid. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I, I think I thought about that. How about you? Well, I was just uh, eighth grade to high school was a weird time for me, and again, I was not. Um, how do I put this? I was not popular, but I was not a target. Does that make sense? Yeah, I would say I was. Kind of uh, so here, so here's the, but here's the difference. I was, a, I feel like a much weirder, less confident kid than you've described yourself to be, and I think I did some weird shit up right. till seventh or eighth grade. I literally, I think the weirdest thing I ever did was I, I had this thing like after school we'd make like movies and whatever, like uh, just fun little stupid stuff. I hijacked an animation club and turned it into a filmmaking club. And uh, in that sort of uh, ire, the I also sort of um, we did a bunch of like crappy like cardboard cutout Batman movies, right? Right. And then like it escalated to like a point of weirdness where like one teacher would keep me and Robin's costumes in his closet, and like they'd started calling me like Bruce, and like it was definitely like wasn't like a. This is the weird thing. What I'm describing sounds super lame. Yeah. 
but no one made fun of me for it. Right. But it kept me from being accepted enough to actually be popular. So I don't know if there was something where like I was at least socially okay enough in 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 various conversational pieces where people would put up with this amount of weirdness yeah. but would not ostracize me for it. Gotcha. Um, and then I do remember someone told me, it might have been a teacher, I, I don't even remember, but like they're like, listen, you know, the Batman stuff and whatever you're doing, all this weird after-school stuff is fun, but like you really need to adjust what you feel is important when you get to high school. Right. Because that's like the, the level of comfort you're feeling in middle school in eighth grade is will not be there. Right. So, and, I, so I feel sad that you had to have that conversation because, like, uh, you know, the thing I think would be int- interesting is, like, no, embracing your weirdness and embrace... Which well, I, eventually I did. Now we're doing a podcast and I work in fucking media. So right, it's like... Yeah. But but I, I don't think uh, we... Uh, yeah, I don't... Uh, so so the, my point is yeah. I had uh, a different start experience. Yeah. And a different transitional experience, but it then then Kayla did, of course. But uh, and we'll get into the the third tier of this whole thing being the social media aspect. Yeah, but the the feelings of wanting to be accepted, the feelings of knowing that you or or, or questioning whether or not you have to change or not to be accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of the verbalizing of them into YouTube videos that Kayla makes. Yeah. Um, I used to make radio programs. Right. Uh, and I wouldn't I wouldn't describe them as sort of like these YouTube like self help type things, but like I definitely discussed. I went back and listened to a few of them. Like I discussed things that were going on. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so I related in that in that different from other people, a bit of a content creator. Yeah. And thinking that I had to change to be a different thing. Now, the way it breaks down in this story, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, though we're almost in, in spoiler town. Actually, we could probably start getting into it. Yeah. But, like, th- what I really liked about this film was Kayla doesn't... Kayla doesn't, like, win. Kayla grows up. Yeah. And and that doesn't mean... There's not, like, a, a definitive, like, awful thing that happens at the end or great thing that happens at the end. She just realizes that awful and great things happen yeah. and she moves on with her life. Yeah. Um, I feel like I, when I was transitioning into high school, did a weird thing where I kind of, at least for freshman year, snapped back into a sort of different person right. in the beginning and then slowly let myself. So like, I, I feel like I took the trip that Kayla takes in this film. Yeah. I like put it on pause, did a quick 180, and then slowly learned what this film is actually trying to tell you, which which in my opinion is, you know, for, for lack of a better term, life's going to be good, life's going to be bad, get out of your head. Right. And and and, and uh, get out of the social zeitgeist's head of social media to a point. I th- I I think I I want to hesitate on that. Just the only part of me that wants to hesitate on that is that I don't feel that this is what what to me what's striking and strong about this film is it's tackling issues. But I, I think there's a real commitment to character in this film. Oh, and, yeah. and, and a real commitment to honesty. And so I never feel like the movie is messaging. Like I never feel. Oh, like I don't either. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm sorry yeah. if that came across that yeah. way. I completely agree. I think the reason why this movie is so effective is yeah. because it doesn't do that. Yeah, it, it's a really. It, I, and again, I can't stress enough how strong filmmaking this is. You know, like there, there is a real. 
not just a stylistic thing, um, but but there's a real meaning to the way style is employed in this film. Yeah, um, that is profound, honest, and resonates, um, which I think is the best thing you can say about anyone who has a stylistic nuance to the way they make films. Um, why don't we? So again, you know, my my my, you know, I, I'm obviously I'm also a little bit older. I went to you know, I grew up in a smaller country. Um, I, I I don't think. Uh, my experience plays into a lot of what's happening in this film. Sure, uh, but I th- but that doesn't mean I can't empathize with it. And I certainly like, I, like I said, I I completely one hundred percent fell in love with Kayla during the middle of this film, and I fell in love with her in this sort of. Um, Paternal way, I guess I would say. You know, I'm a dad now, but also what, you're a dad. Yeah, I know. I haven't mentioned that before. Um, <laughs> Congratulations! But, yeah, it just happened on the way to the episode. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, but I, you know, like I fell in love with her in that sense, and and I think what was interesting about it was it got me thinking about the way social media, uh, well, how this generation has an entirely different. Um, frame of reference for how to interact with each other. Yeah, and I want to come to this phrase that uh, Bo Burnham. Uh, well, there was an interview with Bo Burnham on a, um, uh, I, th- I believe it was Vice or um, uh, some other website, or some other website other than Vice. Uh, other than Vice, yeah. Um, and and I want to like talk about this particular phrase that that was the title of that article, uh, which was uh, hyperconnected and lonely. And I think that was an interesting framework to think about where this film places itself in terms of how to deal with social media or how to t- tackle the topic of social media. Because I think a lesser film would, um, and there are examples of this, by the way, where films uh, are dealing with social media as a, as an almost boogeyman or, or they're the main subject of the film. Whereas I think, again, this is a film about a, a character where social media is the fabric of which that makes up that character. Right. And, and... This this phrase hyperconnected and lonely uh, was really interesting. I, and I watched an interview with Burnham afterwards, where he was he, he described you know like he said as uh, popular media focuses on this phenomenon of the YouTube content creator or the the viral video star, the viral uh, yeah. the viral star uh, as this person who creates this you know like him creates this one piece of content that suddenly catches on yep. um, and, and becomes viral and it spirals out and, and usually it either burns out or in his case spirals out into the career that he actually wanted yeah yeah but he he described this thing that I think perfectly relates to Kayla a little bit better uh, he he says the majority of the internet is talking into the void and not being seen and 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 he's I thought that was funny because I, you could almost describe our podcast like that sometimes, or sometimes we feel like that. Well, we feel like that sometimes, yeah. but uh, I, I think, um, well, continue your thought. I can go back to that. Yeah, the point that he wanted to make where was is that this film isn't about the the viral star, and and you know you would expect again, you know, in that sort of teen coming of age film where there needs to be sort of a major inciting incident. The thing I was kind of expecting was that one of her videos would go viral and they would have to deal with that and talk about it. And, oh, see, and I never expected that. I, I was I I. Maybe our expectation was wrong, but I thought that that might be in the ether, sure. you know. And then I was kind of pleasantly surprised when the film kind of just goes, "No, this is that's not what this film is about. This film is really about how this character feels." Yeah. Um, and this idea of there is this generation that is entirely hyperconnected. You know, it is a generation where, uh, you know, if we just sort of counteract the framework, my my interaction is that if I wanted to ask a girl out. 
I would need to find out what her phone number was, either from her or from someone else, and call at a particular time when I could get her on the phone. You know, whereas now we live in an age where you can directly communicate with that person immediately sure. and, and, and interconnectedly. But so there's this idea that there is a, a greater opportunity for interaction, which is the world we live in now: Twitter, Snapchat, social media, you know, Facebook, whatever. Although Facebook is out of date, apparently. Um, well, yes. Uh, but but then it's counteracted with this increasing loneliness. So all that additional opportunity for interconnectivity, for for being able to communicate more, for being able to exchange ideas further, to 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 be able to meet people that are like minded. You know, like I think a, another thing that teen coming of age films are about are finding your tribe. Sure. Right. Increasingly, what it means is that you're you're a tribe of one, and this film is about a girl who's in a tribe of one. Uh, she, you know, maybe she, you know, by the end of the film, she does kind of meet her tribe, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but I, the, I think that's an interesting area of discussion that this film kind of opens up without actually ever, and I and I'm glad for this, ever really. Um, making the focus of the film, but is that the this generation that we're talking about here, and I don't know what it's going to be like for my son, uh, but is is increasingly connected with everybody, and increasingly disconnected from actual human interaction. Jetpacks. Uh, jetpacks is what it's going to be. It's going to be like for your son. Yeah. Okay. So, what what do you think about that subject? I mean, look the even <clears throat> the way that the social media sort of works is exactly how you've described and exactly how that that uh, that title of that article is portraying it. You you have this immense connectivity, but I, I don't think I've ever actually felt lonelier than when I realize I've been looking at Twitter for like 20 minutes. Yeah. And that's a weird thing because why do I keep doing it if I feel that way? Right. Um, and, and a little bit as you and I are both content creators both on and off the internet, yeah. Um, I think it still focuses more on the internet, though. Like, you know, there is something to having to do with f feeling the need to continually um, create or continually post, let's yeah. say. Like, for instance, I think a healthy thing is releasing a podcast once a week. It's right. something we enjoy. It's, it's you know, and it helps people find us and build our following, and we can have interactions with people that want to talk about the same things we want to do, and in that way, we build our own tribe. That's great. Yeah. What isn't great is the feeling that I get often where I'm like, oh, man, I haven't tweeted in 24 hours. I should probably tweet something. Right. And no one gives a shit, <laughs> but, like, you feel less and less... Um, I mean, important, less and less relevant unless yeah. you are part of this just throwing nonsense into the void with everyone else. Yeah. And that's hard for me as a 36-year-old man. Yeah. I can't imagine the difficulty of, of going through adolescence and doing that at the same time. Now, right. granted, you don't have the same stresses, but you have more of the uh, what I would consider similar stresses to social media stresses when you're younger yeah. already. So then you tack this shit onto it, and you've got to be in an existential nightmare most of the time. Yeah, and I think Kayla in this film is, and, and I think the, the way she responds to that, and, and I think it's a really clever device in this film, is that her... Uh, self-help videos, you yes. know, uh, hey guys, you know, like today we're going to talk about, uh, believing in yourself, be believing in yourself, being more confident is, a uh, is, is more wish fulfillment than it is real, you know, like an expression of her true self. Yeah. Just because and, it's on the internet doesn't mean it's not wish fulfillment. <laughs> exactly. And I think, and I think it plays as a clever, uh, a clever narrative device in this film where we see, 
uh, and we hear basically that, uh, you know, those monologues that she delivers, which are surprisingly beautiful and eloquent and well thought out against who she really is, which is walking into this swimming pool party, you know, completely, um, uh, you know, withdrawn, terrified, uh, you know, like hugging herself to just try and get through this. Um, and I think it's a really, there are moments where, where the two, lives kind of cross over each other and there are moments of hope and glimmer that that she might become the other person but at the same time i kind of love this sense of her kind of identifying that she is a nice person that wants to do nice things and it's okay if people don't like her well i i I agree with that end part especially what you said i don't think that she is presenting two different people at all i think uh, i think she is trying to and failing at presenting a different person she's doing her best impression of a youtube personality right and like we said wish fulfillment yeah i don't think i i don't think her her narratives or her narrations to in her youtube videos that the film uses very aptly yeah are remotely eloquent i think they are very they're they're, they're effective yeah but they're in in the story that the film is trying to tell about what this girl is feeling but they are not eloquent in their thing meaning i think she's the exact same person Playing make believe basically in her video, yeah. Uh, but she's still this. She's that. That's the person that we then see outside. Because there's a lot of when she's speaking, it's just literally almost all the videos are literally just rephrasing the title of what she said, w- including a bunch of likes and ums. Like it. The- uh, okay, that's not what I mean by eloquent. Uh, oh, okay, I mean, what I mean by eloquent is that she has an idea about how to be a confident person that is expressed very clearly. Right. Oh, see, I don't think it is expressed clearly. I think she uses a lot of platitudes, and the the counter the counterpoint yeah. of those platitudes is what's going on in the actual film, and then Exa- that all comes together. Exactly, but I think so. I think I, the I, film I, does that. I don't think she does that in the film. I think, like for example, her her like the argument that she makes about how to be more confident, and she, you know, we see her. Uh, this, I guess, this is one of those moments where there's a sort of interaction between the idea that she's saying and what she actually does, which was, and maybe, and maybe there are in all of them actually. There's a hint of what, she, a hint yeah. of truth. But in the idea of like being more confident, she says, if you want to be more confident, the thing you've got to do is be more confident. And so she gets up, and we see her going to like take on do this karaoke thing, even though she knows that people there don't want her to be there and she knows that she doesn't want to be there but she decides to make that step and she's not and uh, again this is coming back to my sort of initial uh i guess you could call it thesis argument for this film which is that it's 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 wonderful that this film doesn't indulge in that moment as a moment of failure or humiliation or triumph yeah it just kind of plays that moment out as beautifully as it can and i think that's that's kind of amazing um and and i i do think that for example, the things that she says as a YouTuber, if the 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 missing ingredient, the the X factor that would make her a popular YouTuber, because I've watched a lot of YouTube videos because we work with you know YouTube influencers and yep. what have you in our work, it all sounds like things that YouTubers would say, and some of them happen to have a million followers, and some of them happen to have like no followers, and and it's the same thing. Well, it's, it's, it's the same. It's the same underlying content, it's but the it, same it's content. The, but yeah. it's, it's it's different rappers. It's the different. It's the different yeah. packaging. Some people, you know, have millions of followers, and they say these kind of 
inane things. But they say it with more confidence, and they say it with more flash, and they say it with more excitement, or 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 I whatever the, the emotion is, is. is. Well, I felt that that the character, what 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 I loved, and 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 structurally, that's the way this film does it, is that the character is basically giving a, a sort of wish fulfillment version of herself or a version of herself that that kind of succeeds in all the way that she fails. Um, and then what's beautiful in terms of a structural point of view is that uh, the film then gives us two moments when those two when when videos of those have been incredibly real and those are the two videos that she sends herself the one that she sent when she was in sixth grade or whatever and the one that she sends to herself finishing high school Mm -hmm. and those are basically the same videos but they're really open and honest and truthful and and they basically they're exactly who she actually is and they're not too far removed from what the youtube videos are right but they're just they they found who they they connect to the audience that they're supposed to connect to which is actually herself yeah and And yeah, that's a beautiful piece of writing. It's a beautiful piece of structure, and I, I kind of you know like again uh, just jumping away from the theoretical to the actual response thing. I love that this film is so small. I love that oh, it's yeah. so small and intimate, and it doesn't need those revelations to be big or you know like you know covered with like people running and saving and crying or anything like that. It's so small and lovely. In a lesser film, the dad would either be an asshole or have a dark secret. The friend she meets in the high school shadow day would uh, ditch her, but then like see the error of her ways. Like yeah. everyone would kind of have an arc, and this movie isn't about yeah. other people's arcs. It's just it's, it's about it's, Kayla's arc. Yeah, and it's it's so well. I I think the that pool sequence. Uh, when she, you know, when she's walking up to the door, yep. and then like having to stand outside in the, gl- I think that is an extraordinary. That will go down right now as one of my favorite sequences in any film we've seen this year. Yeah, uh, it was it, good. It's extraordinary. Uh, you, do we know who? Uh, I'm going to look this up right now because I don't have it right in front of me. Who shot this? Uh, that's a that's an excellent question because it was very well done. It's it's very well, but it also but but here's the thing, this Andrew is, Weed. Was, Andrew Weed. <laughs> it was it, it let me it, it was very well done because it was very smartly done. Yeah, the the cinematographer realized what this story was and what the point of what they were doing was trying to tell and decided to map the cinematography to best uh you know help that along as opposed to and a cinematographer else. who's basically done a lot of uh, stand up comedy specials. Yeah. Um. I I I guess uh, you said something very early on that I like uh, the, the what is up internet the the Shahir Twitch kind of like uh, twitched oh. uh, which is this idea that this film wasn't a comedy yes um, I the only reason I didn't want to touch that uh, necessarily though I because uh, I do disagree with you is that I didn't want it to get us into uh, a debate that we have all the time like the superhero film debate uh, when we came to psychokinesis I feel, uh, okay. I feel like it's a debate we've had many times because we get caught up in semantics sure well we uh, got five minutes left we can do semantics I I do think that this is a comedy in the way that great comedies can be funny but also have profound meaning to them. But what was funny in this to you? I, I, I found a lot of her interactions about, like, for example, trying to look up how to give a blowjob. I found that really funny. I was, it was one of the first times I was actually laughing out loud in the oh, theater. I kind of found it I, I didn't like it. Really? I was, it made you feel icky? Yeah, I was just like, I don't like, it, it made me sad that kids are yeah, doing I, that. But I, I guess to if we're going to talk about genre, I think the the uh, the thing that comedy does well is uh, is it is it allows us to laugh at the absurd or the or the profoundly sad. Yeah, you know, and I think that 
I didn't find it profoundly sad. I found it kind of amusing um, because she's not in any immediate danger. It's just how she's kind of like trying to navigate this world. And then like her getting caught by her dad uh, with a banana and he's like, um, oh, I'm, I'm sure you didn't like bananas and she eats this banana in front of him. I found all of that pretty funny. And, I've, and I think that all works on that sort of very stock standard kind of comedy, you know, like uh, uh, sit, up, uh, sit up in expectation and defy it. Um, and I, I, well, I, yeah, there are, there are, there are comedy moments in this film. Yeah. I'm just saying if the only reason I would even go down this road is that I think this movie, the point of what it's trying to do and the, the strength at which it's doing it is not pointing at the comedy. It's pointing at the, at, 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 at let's call it this way. It's pointing at the humanity and humanity in this film is legitimately portrayed the one of the best ways I've seen humanity portrayed at this sort of age group in this particular part of the world is there sometimes there's funny stuff, sometimes there's happy stuff, sometimes there's dark stuff, sometimes it things everything works out, sometimes life just shits on you. And so it, I, I see it and that and when it when something is like that, yeah, I see it more as a drama. Because a drama is even might even be the wrong word, but I don't know what the other category is. I think is. I think a bitter description would be coming of age. I would never yes, it's a coming of age story, but I would never describe this film as oh, go see Bo Burnham new comedy eighth grade so i guess maybe that's a distinction between what i like in comedy versus besides like uh american pie as a comedy you sure. know, that's not a particular comedy that i really really enjoy mm -hmm. what i really enjoy is comedy that speaks to truth and i found that the comedy in this film isn't oh, laugh yeah. out loud because it speaks to truth sure um and that's what i that's what i uh that's what i really respond to and i still think it's a very funny film sure um there is one scene we have to talk about because it is also in a film that I thought was a comedy uh, is a scene that made me the most uncomfortable I've been in a film. Sure. And that is the car scene. Yep. You know, and it's, it's obviously the scene where I think anyone who's invested in this film and in this character will feel the most at risk for this character. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the, 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 the setup is, is that uh, Kayla meets, uh, you know, her shadow or she is the shadow of a young, uh, of an older girl in high school. They decide to hang out at the mall for a day. She gets a ride home with her and another guy. Um, the, the high school girl gets dropped off and the guy and Kayla are left in the car alone. He begins to, um, you know, like uh, create a situation that is going to go down a very dark path for a girl who's just nowhere near ready for that. Yeah. Um, is no way prepared for this, is ready for this, or is capable of dealing with this. Yeah. And my only response in this sequence is I was just sitting there going, get the fuck out of that car. Get the fuck out of that car. Get out of that car. And I was I was just saying that in my head over and over and over again as a coping mechanism. Sure. And I think the the reason why this works because it's not like the 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 male character is definitely uh, being inappropriate and he's definitely making advances that are sexual harassment, but he's not like he's not pinning her down or anything like that. And so so the the scene isn't like hasn't got the sort of histrionics of like a you know like she's not in immediate physical danger but she's in immediate psychological danger and and the reason why this scene works so well is that we're psychologically invested in this character yeah, yeah. um and you know like so i i just it, it's sort of a i sometimes we forget well i forget because we watch so many big movies that big moments don't have to involve big events right you know oh, like, yeah, yeah yeah you know and i, I, I think that. i think sometimes we forget about that and this this scene was so tense and so powerful and so upsetting 
um, that that I, I just again I was just at all I was in awe with the filmmaking I was in awe with how this film made me feel the extra layer on the cake of that scene too because every you know bit of the horror that you described is 100% true the the sort of underlying thing that made me uh, even feel bad you know long after that scene had finished is that so Kayla was was trying to have a win for such a long time in yeah. this film and then she meets her friend who is the high schooler and the friend is legitimately great nice to and, her yeah. and pleasant and whatever and invites her to hang out and whatever and you you and this is this is again how life works yeah uh you know it, you know the great stuff great stuff great stuff and then one thing happens that honestly poisons the entire great thing yeah and that's what made me like I, I I felt like this was Kayla's first experience, not only with that horrible situation, but realizing that you know anything can be flipped too bad or bad can be flipped to go like again it's just all this life stuff like you're, you're not going to just succeed and then you're done yeah it's not happily ever after it's not a, a down ending it's just sort of like fuck this just keeps going and it can turn like it, you life can turn an awful thing wonderful or a wonderful thing to shit and i think this is the first time that she realized that and i think when she goes back and again spoilers she goes and burns her time capsule from sixth grade yeah uh, I think that is sort of the culmination of realizing how life actually functions. Yeah. And that sucks because when when I realized that, and I'm sure when everyone sort of realizes that, we all have different reactions, but there is a fucking difference between when you're young and dealing with all of the problems that we've described on this podcast and that the eighth grade touches on and dealing with those in an emotional way either healthily or unhealthily and yeah. then sort of making that transition to still having to deal with all those problems but also know that the world itself doesn't quite care one way or the other about you yeah. like you when you're younger you're the center of your universe yeah when you when you have a moment like Kayla has even though this movie doesn't like ham-fistedly say things like that, but that's how I felt when I watched it. I was like, she is now on her way to being an adult and realizing how the world works and the world isn't just about... Not that she seemed even remotely self-centered. Yeah. Well, she kind of does with her dad and a couple different things, but not in a bad way. It's just, it's the differences. It's yeah. being a child versus becoming an adult. Yeah. And she learns, she learns the lesson in an awful way. And uh, and she comes out stronger at the end of it, but at the same time, it's just sort of like it's sad. It's sad. It's sad. The the thing I, I want to just point out two MVPs for me uh, outside of uh, Elsie Fisher, who's yep. extraordinary in this film, uh, is Josh Hamilton, who plays uh, her dad, who kind of like straddles that line between goofy dad and just genuinely nice guy. Yeah. You know, and uh, um, Josh Hamilton's an actor that you would have seen in things, but I love that this film kind of gave him a, you know, gave him a role where he didn't have to do a lot, but you're just like, oh, that guy's great. Yeah. I love him. Yep. You know, um, and then the other one is Jake Ryan. Yeah, uh, who played he, Gabe? Who played Gabe. And he was just like, I love this kid. You know, like, I like this kid. He's just this goofball kid you know uh oh i lift this I, I lift this out i'm such an idiot oh it's my archery thing you want to take a look at it i just love this kid and i love that essentially she finds her tribe with her dad and this other kid you know it's just it's not romantic it's not like anything like that it's just that these are people who get her you know what's interesting though i don't think i don't think this movie shows her finding her tribe i think this movie shows her realizing that it's okay 
to look for that tribe in all sorts of different places. Yeah. I think at the beginning she has a very social media outlook of how you make friends and what friends are supposed to be and like a certain amount of an image thing, hence why in the pool she doesn't really want to talk that much with Gabe. She's not rude to him, but you know, yeah. it's whatever. I think at the end of this, she has that realization that I think, again, we all do as we become an adult, being like, we are not just one sort of thing that can enjoy one sort of person. Yeah. Like if you're open to things, go out and try to experience even people that you think might be weird because they might be awesome too. Yeah. So I think this movie really does do a great service to this transitional period in a young person's life where it's like you realize not only does the world not care about you yeah. in a happy or sad way, but also you should stop caring so much about the, the way people yeah. think you should care about the world. Yeah. And I think the game I think the game thing at the end while being quirky and fun is also very important in that regard because she never looks like she's like this is my best friend now forever. Like I never got that vibe, no, 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 but it's yeah. but it's like a nice yeah, I'm gonna look, and this person is perfectly uh, reasonable. I'm okay and fun. with myself, yep. and therefore I'm, the and and I think as well, um, she realizes that her dad always has her back. Yes, you know, and that's like, another thing you realize when you if you if your parents are good parents, you yeah. realize as you get older that despite the fact they're a pain in the ass and you and you're embarrassed by them a lot, yeah. they're trying to help you, or yeah. hopefully they're trying to help you. And he's you know uh, her dad in this film just always has her back. Yeah. you know, and it's just a. It's it's lovely. It's pleasant. It makes you feel good. Uh, and and the film doesn't shy away from the terror of of uh, uh, of growing up. I, I'm I'm going to jump into my final thoughts here, but I I think this is uh, a really extraordinary and deft um, example of sharp direction on a very small subject that 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 makes you that 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 for me personally was a reminder. That cinema doesn't have to be about the biggest things. It can be about taking the smallest things and making them and and projecting them onto a screen so you realize how profound the smallest moments can be. And that's what this film does in spades. And that's, I think, maybe that's what being in eighth grade is about. It's a film for a generation. It speaks to a generation. It's very honest and true. And and I agree that that um, you know, I I I think in the in looking at the ratings that the that the MPAA gave this. The, if they had any empathy for what the film was actually doing, then then acknowledging that students, you know, in that age group would get a lot out of seeing it is something that they kind of missed by giving it an R rating. So, uh, you know, kudos to everyone involved in this film. Kudos to the actual, you know, the the way this film operates. But it, it is it is, and I, you know, I the only thing that makes me sad about that is that. The R rating means that less people see it. Yeah. Uh, the fact that it's not about explosions and and you know <laughs> big uh, big sort of events or anything like that means that people don't see it. The fact that it got released in the summer as opposed to the end of the year, like unlike Lady Bird, means that fewer people will see it. But I would wholeheartedly encourage all you know if you've made it this far uh, and have, you know haven't seen it. There's a lot of ifs, a lot yeah, of caveats. You should have gone. And, you should stop and go see it because it's a really wonderful experience to see in a theater and a reminder that movies can affect you on a deeply personal level. Agreed. Uh, I think uh, 100% agree. Wow, we're both sort of in, <laughs> like, uh, in an agreement mode. That's very rare. Except on the comedy thing. But, you know, we'll let that slide. But that's not... we'll, we'll let that slide for our stand-up comedy special. Right, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, you should see this film. It's obviously a smaller one, so it needs all the love it can get. Um, but you will come out of it if you've grown up. I mean, this is pretty much true. If you've grown up, you have something to relate to it. 
uh, in it somewhere. And if you've ever tried to fit in or wanted the world to sort of work out in your favor and sort of realize that it doesn't, like which I think we all have at a certain point, it's worth it. And I think it would do a service to young people who might not have had that moment yet to sort of show that moment in a real context that is correct with the day and age that they are growing up. So I hope that more like free screenings possibly happen. I, I, I think... It does actually highlight a problem with our rating system uh, that that they're not like the people rating our films. Granted, it would take a lot of time or maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. Uh, but they aren't they aren't looking at the art as art. They're looking at it as a series of checkboxes. Yeah. And that's sad. And it's going to, on occasion like this, make it harder for people who need to see this to see it. Yeah. But you should go see it. So this has been the only podcast about the film Eighth Grade. By two people who are so far removed from eighth grade. But we were a... both there. Well, I was there. You yeah, were I was there. not you there. You were in <laughs> terms nine or whatever you said. Uh, Shahir, when you're not noticing uh, hair in new and strange places on your body, where can folks find you? Is that what that is? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> if it's not hair, I don't really know what. It's a series of snakes. Oh, my God. This is a... I need to get out of here. My, <laughs> my website is www.shahirdowd.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. Matt, are, are you pulling out a... Batman costume out of the closet? What, what, what is that? What, what are you doing? When you when you when I am not dark nighting all over my eighth grade math class, you can find me at m a t t a g w k r o l dot com for all my life and work. Skelter the number four p r e z on Instagram or Emperor M S K on Twitter. If you'd like to pull me out of those twenty minute moments where Twitter is just going and I don't see a thing I like. Um, also check me out on Extra Credits. We got a bunch of stuff on YouTube uh, coming out this this week as we always do we're finishing up the flu pandemic yep <laughs> i'm now getting all my shots yeah you should uh and uh it's it's really good over there so check all that stuff out and uh yeah we will see y'all next time next time which will be next week yeah we won't have grown a year by that we won't but we will be and persistent on social media we will still be shouting out into the void and hoping that somebody's listening you're listening are you listening unless we just made up all those reviews Oh, my God. oh, oh shit. I didn't realize that was an option. We should do that. Oh, crap. <laughs>